Hey everyone, this is Ben Chapman. Thank you for listening to Luminous Church Podcast. It's always an honor that you would take time out of your day to listen to us. We hope that you would see Jesus more clearly today and that you would also be inspired to make a difference wherever you find yourself. Enjoy today's sermon and God bless you. Amazing, amazing. Well, I'm so glad that you're here with us on Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is just a great occasion. It's the start of Holy Week, which we're going to talk about today. My, my hope is to talk about the triumphal entry, to reread this scripture that we're so familiar with, and maybe grab a couple of things that will help us see how Jesus can make a difference in us and through our lives. And it's really my prayer. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 21 this morning. Matthew chapter 21 is where we will be as we read this morning. That was amazing. Just time praying for Jaron. Uh, my name is Ben Chapman. I'm one of the pastors here. And so if you're a guest with us, I'm so glad you're here this morning with us. If you're looking around, you notice there's not, not too many seats. And it's why we're doing three services for Easter. So please make note of that time because some of you may be 30 minutes early or 30 minutes late if you don't look at those three times. But we definitely want to make room for your friends and your family to come and and just an incredible photo booth and tacos and just it's going to be awesome. And I'm just reminded of that that about 72 percent of people will, will, will come to church on that Sunday if you invite them, if you invite them. So so if you invite one, maybe, maybe not. If you invite two, good chance somebody's going to come with you, sit with you. And it's always good to have a friend at church. How many can agree with that? It's like. It's, it's sometimes nice not to sit alone. I, I likewise want to just talk before we get into our text today, um, which I believe that God's going to highlight some things. I, I want to talk about just miracles real quickly. Something we've been talking about all year, and I just, I, I, I'm hoping to demystify some of the miraculous for you so that you can start believing God maybe for a miracle in your life or, or give him glory for the miracles that are happening in your life. Tori, what a great testimony up here just about a miracle saving her life in a car accident and I was just thinking about just miracles and Chris and Liz who are pregnant with their baby girl who I shared a couple weeks ago who was really a miracle there was no way that she was going to keep that baby um, according to the doctors but God made a way and uh, and she's pregnant and it's really exciting what God's doing and then uh, a couple weeks ago, I was in the foyer, and I love just to meet people and talk to people and say hi to people, and there was a couple there who, who was looking for a job and uh, just financial hardship over their life, and we prayed right there, and, uh, and he told me this morning that two days from that prayer that he landed a job, and they sold a car that they've been trying to sell for months. They sold it that week also. Can we give God a hand for that? That's- that's cool. That's cool. See, we want to give God glory for maybe these, these little moments, and, and they don't have to be super mystical in your life. Maybe it's just these little moments, and when God gets honor and glory, it's just, it makes it so much more fun, really. I love being in a room when it's fun like that, and we get to praise him. So the triumphal entry, Matthew 21. Let's read that. Verse 1, 
I'm going to read this small little print on my Bible because I felt like reading from the Bible made me holier than reading from my computer screen this morning. And when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you should say, The Lord needs them. And he will, spend them at, he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the fowl of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. I want to talk about Palm Sunday this morning and bring out some observations and I think if we leave with anything, we're going to lead with, leave with the whole idea that this was a great moment to celebrate. And even over 2,000 years later, it's a, it's a great celebration, this, this moment that's happening. And I think about the first observation is just the anticipation aspect of this verse. The anticipation of the arrival. Have you ever anticipated anything before? I, I remember before most of you were born. In 1992, I remember the Dangerous World Tour of Michael Jackson. Anybody remember that? Uh, five of us, praise God. Well, I'm going to tell you all about it this morning. In 1992, Pepsi decided to sponsor this, this tour, and it was going to be shown live on HBO. It, the anticipation was crazy. Michael Jackson, if, he was, if YouTube would have been around, it would have been billions of views. There was over 4 million people who attended his concert that year. In fact, he was so exhausted from it, he had to cancel the concert, cut it short. But, but people would be in hysteria over Michael. I mean, you should watch the videos. You should just YouTube them. Uh, ladies are just passing out because Michael's there, right? Uh, the ambulances take him away. Uh, when he starts singing, we are the world, it is like all of a sudden, whoo, they start fainting. It's crazy. It's just people are passing out. You're like... This is weird, man. It's such an anticipation, such an excitement for this man, for this, for this concert. And, and I remember being there at my friend Homer's house, and I was a sheltered kid who didn't listen to any secular music. And this was the moment that I got a taste of Michael Jackson, and, and I was so excited. I was there. I thought I was going to pass out, you know, at <laughs> 10. And, and, and I think about anticipation, and I just... I think this is how the triumphal entry was. I mean, think about it. The, the hysteria of, of this man who was walking through the eastern gates, and he was coming in riding a colt, and people were cutting off palm branches and waving them, you know, like the church with the flag wavers. Please leave your flags at home. But, but they, they were waving these palm branches. They, they were so excited. They were taking off their cloaks. They didn't even want his, his colt to touch the ground. They were taking off their cloaks. They, they, they were so excited. So much anticipation. 
And I, I think that's a big part of why we're here today is it's good for us to anticipate who Jesus is and what he's come to accomplish. There's a good thing about anticipation. Maybe we won't faint out like the Michael Jackson concert. Praise God, no ambulances outside. But we should be excited for what God is doing. Anticipation is, is action and preparation for what's coming. This action of t- that was taking place. The, this action of, of, of praise, getting ready for him, and, and they're praising. They're praising Jesus. They're praising him, and, and praise is an expression, right, is an expression of anticipation. We see this, don't we? Praising is an expression of anticipation. As you start anticipating something, you start praising. Some of you were praising this morning because you were anticipating God was going to do something in your life today. Some of you were praising during, during the songs of, of, I'm just excited for what Jesus is going to do and who he is. And they were praising him with the word Hosanna. Hosanna. Psalm 118 talks about Hosanna. Hosanna means save us, help us, rescue us, is, is what the Hebrew word Hosanna means. It's, it's just this whole idea of, of I'm praising you, but really I'm crying out, help us, save us, O king. Save us from our oppression because at the time, the Jewish people were oppressed. They were oppressed by the Roman government. They were oppressed on every side and and Jesus came to bring peace. You see, it was an entry of peace. See, when a king rode a donkey into, into town, it meant this is a peaceful moment. This is a moment where he, he says he's the prince of peace. Why would he not ride a donkey? This makes complete sense. And then you have this tension that's in the city of Jerusalem. A city of 50,000 or so, but, but tens of thousands coming to the city. To, to, for Passover that was about to take place. And on the same Sunday, 2,000 years ago, give or take, there was Jesus coming through the East Gate, which was the shortest route to the temple. There it was a sign of peace. But on the West side, on the West Gate, there was a Roman guard coming in. And they were riding horses. And they were coming strapped up, ready for any kind of outbreak because they knew the hostility that could take place. They knew that during the Passover, all of a sudden, the Jewish people kind of got riled up, if you will, kind of excited. And so you have on the east gate, Jesus coming in. On the west gate, you have the Roman guard coming in. And there's tension in the city over 2,000 years ago. Tension in the city. And Jesus comes riding in and and a few, a few moments, uh, 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 the next day, he comes in and he comes to the temple. And he realized that, that peace can't happen where there's injustice. How many of you know that's true? Where there's injustice, there won't be peace. And Jesus realized that there's some injustice happening. There's some injustice happening in this temple. There's some injustice happening around the lives of those who were there and what was happening in his kingdom. And Jesus brought peace, but when Jesus comes, he threatens business as usual. Have you found that to be true in your life? 
Well, if you were just to go on cruising, you realize when Jesus shows up, he's going to kind of check you on some things. Some injustices in your heart, maybe of greed, maybe of lust, maybe of self-desire or self-pleasure or self-gratification where all of a sudden your kingdom and Jesus' kingdom can't reign in the same place. There's no way that's going to happen. And as a result, the Pharisees get a little mad at Jesus, a little angry that this man who, who right before the triumphal entry heals a blind man, a, a little bit before that, he raises a man from the dead. Jesus is doing miraculous things, exciting works as he's doing that. There's an envious people in Mark 15, 9. See, at the end of a holy week, when Jesus is tried, Pilate answered them saying in Mark 15, 9, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priest had delivered him up. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have him release for them Barabbas instead. You see, this envy swelled in the Pharisees. See, Jesus is getting all this attention. He's getting all this notoriety. All of a sudden, the offerings to the temple are going down. We may lose a job. It's, it, there's so many things happening in, 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 this, in this setting. And out of envy, they decide to kill him. Out of envy, they would rather have Barabbas than Jesus released. Jesus was in this moment where he's coming to the temple and he's seeing everything that's happening. How they made an abomination out of the house of God. The house, the temple, was, was the physical presence of where God resided. And in this house, they were, they were taking advantage of the orphan and the widow. In, in this house, people would travel from far away to buy their sacrifice for Passover, but they would charge an astronomical rate. And they would, they would take advantage of everybody who was coming. And, and Jesus, the one who rolled the colt, who's peaceful, starts turning tables. It's my kind of Jesus, you know. And the truth is, is a lot of us have felt victim to that. We had envy in our heart. We had injustice in our heart. When we were doing things out of our own desires, Jesus came in. And so peaceful he is, and yet won't let injustice go unpunished. So he started turning tables in our heart. And he started doing this moment, and we read about it. In verse 12, and Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. But you make it a den of robbers. And the blind and lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did. And the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David. They were indignant. And they said to him, do you hear what they are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes. Have you never read out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies? You have prepared praise. And leaving them, he went out of the city to Bethany and lodged there. In this moment, right after that, he passes a fig tree. In the morning, as he was returning to the city of Jerusalem, 
he became hungry and seeing a fig tree by the wayside. He went to it and found nothing on it but only leaves. And he said to it, may no fruit ever come from you again. And the fig tree withered at once. When the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, how did the fig tree wither at once? And Jesus answered them, truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive it if you have faith. We see this moment where Jesus turns tables, and then after he does that, he goes by a fig tree. It's funny because this fig tree, it's not even the season where the fig tree should produce fruit. And yet Jesus curses this tree. Don't you find that fascinating? Like, Jesus, what are you doing? Like, I mean, the poor tree, you know, it's not even fruit season. Like, what are you doing? And in this moment, he teaches a couple of things. He teaches a couple of things to his disciples. I'm coming in peace, but I'm not going to let the temple of God have sinful ways inside of it. I'm going to come to cleanse the temple. And you're going to find later that you're the temple. And then he brings them to this observation of, of a fig tree that's supposed to produce fruit. And he's saying, you can do anything with faith as you put me in the first place. As you put me where I belong. This faith can move mountains. And then this poor fig tree that didn't produce any fruit. I feel like he was saying this to us today. Is that you're not just going to bear fruit for a season. You're going to bear fruit daily. That you were designed and created and I've come so that you can bear fruit. Not just in a season, but on a daily life. That your life would bear fruit consistently out of your life. And in this moment... We're to praise him, Hosanna. Save us. Make this possible inside of us. Make us into this place. And the way that that comes to fruition is when we honor him, when we honor Jesus. So four ways that we can learn this week, during Holy Week, how we can honor Jesus. So he set the stage, and he, we see so much happening this week. Not only the triumphal entry, but the day before that where he was anointed with oil, and this week he teaches us how to pray. But he also, the first thing in order to honor Jesus and honor the king, you have to let him wash your feet. You have to let Jesus wash your feet. We all know that story. This is the moment where John 13, 6 says this. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I'm doing, you do not understand now. But afterwards, you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. This moment of you have to let Jesus wash your feet in order to honor the king. You must lose your pride and humble yourself and bow yourself and let him wash you. Because he's the only one who can. And some of us have been trying to wash ourselves. Trying to wash ourselves to be clean before Jesus. Trying to be, be king ourselves. Trying to make ourselves right. But it's Jesus who washes you clean. 
I, I think about my daughter right now. It's only appropriate. Sorry for all the dad analogies. I'll try something different next week. My three-year-old daughter, she's so independent right now. And what did she say? She goes, Daddy, I do it myself. Daddy, I do it myself. Have you ever tried to wash her feet? You're like, no, let me wash your feet. They're dirty. I'm trying to brush her teeth, you know, no cavities. We don't want those cavities. I'm trying to do everything. She goes, no, Daddy, I, I do it myself. And I love that. I love the idea that she is fighting for her independence, and she's, she's going to come into that, and she's going to be a, a leader, and she's going to be able to take care of herself. I, I love that, but but truth is, is, are we telling Jesus that? Oh, Jesus, I do it myself. If we let him wash our feet, then he is honored and glorified. Secondly, we have to believe what he says. John 8, 31 so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You have to believe what he says. If you're going to honor him, you must believe his word. And I find that that's sometimes hard to do because I want to argue with his word. But Jesus, did you really say? No, we must abide in his word. The third thing we must do is we must be obedient. Luke 6, 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? See, we must be obedient, and obedient moves above this intellectual ascent. It moves above uh, the things that we know. It moves into a place of action, and if you're going to honor Jesus this week, this holy week, we must do what he says. We must obey him. Abraham Kuyper says this, there's not one square inch on planet earth of which the risen Christ does not say, mine, and I rule it. I am supreme over it. That he is supreme over every square inch. That he's ruling over every single moment. Lastly, if we're going to honor Jesus, we must worship. We must worship him for who he is. John 9, we read about a man, a man who was born blind. This man was healed. And as he was healed, then, then he began to go to Jesus. And Jesus reveals to this blind man that he is the son of God. And in this moment, he worships him. And Jesus did not refuse the worship because Jesus is here for worship. We are intended to worship him in spirit and in truth. We can honor Jesus or we can envy and be an envious people and rule our own lives and be, be, the, be the God of our own kingdom. But Jesus, 2,000 years ago, came as a peaceful king. And he set apart the great divide, what it means to be with him or to be against him. To follow him or to follow ourselves. See, Holy Week, we get to reflect as he teaches us how to worship. 
And he teaches us how to obey. And he teaches us how to be humble and how to pray. Next week, we get to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And it's going to be extraordinary because we remember today that he was a humble king who gave his life for you and me so that he can make us new. Joe Rigney says this, Christ died at the hands of envious men that he might deliver men from the same envy that nailed him to the cross. The jealous and malicious, the resentful and bitter, the covetous and the entitled. All of us have hope this Holy Week because the one delivered up by our envy was raised up by the good pleasure of his Father. Would you stand with me this morning as I pray for us? My desire is that we would sing Hosanna. Save us, King Jesus, because I cannot save myself. Thank you, Jesus, for coming. Father, thank you so much for who you are. Lord, it's Palm Sunday. Lord, with millions and millions of believers across the world, we rejoice in you and we glorify you and we honor you, King Jesus. Lord, I, I would have loved to have been there and lay my cloak down. But I know one day, God, I will see you in heaven and I'll lay down a crown before you to honor you and to glorify you. Teach me and teach us, Lord, how to do that while on earth. We love you. In Jesus' name.